This is the Two Guys Talking Podcast. Back again, not in a studio, in our very in the comfort of our own homes, in this wonderful new year. Happy 2024 to everyone. Uh, a Kobe year, as, as you might as you might say it. A whole entire year for for Mamba mentality. But happy to be in the new year. Looking forward to good, big, being bigger, faster, stronger in all sorts of ways. Uh, happy to have Brandon back in the in the. Again, I want to say in the studio. Why do I keep wanting to say in the studio? Brandon, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, man. I was wondering if you'd find a way to work it to Kobe. So glad <laughs> it didn't take too long for you to get that out of the it, way. It didn't take Twitter too long to, to, to get it on me. Like I was scrolling through Twitter on one one twenty four, and it's like Kobe or Kobe. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I was thinking it, but, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't going to say it. You're going to say it. Yeah, I'll, I'll roll with it. Now, now we're going to say it. So, yeah, you know, it's it's. uh it's exciting, you know. It's also it's also wedding year, so you got a little dual action here with my wedding coming up, and it really hit. It really hit when yesterday. You're in the came final up. stretch, man. It's kind of crazy. Once 2024 hit, because that's always what we've been talking about, me and my fiance, and sure enough, here we are, and it's I don't know, less than six weeks away, but uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely starting to hit, and and the like you said, the final stretch is here. Exciting though. Yeah, you know what's it like, Brandon? Tell me about marriage. Uh, it actually doesn't change at all. But we, I mean, again, obviously love her to death, but we were in this similar situation with you where we already lived together for, you know, however long. Right. You know, it was more, it was time. But yeah, I mean, it's, that day is obviously really special. It's a good time. But I mean, we both woke up the next day. We're like, so, all right, it's just day, you know, <laughs> yep, exactly. Day just goes on like normal. So. <laughs> You know, it's 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 funny that you know most people do do feel that way, and uh, it's yeah. But nonetheless, I'm excited. I'm one of those I'm, I'm one of those guys that's always been excited to be married. You know, I know it's a, a, a stereotype that men are just like afraid of marriage and afraid of commitment, all that stuff. And I've always wanted to, and I've always been excited of being a a dad one day if that if I get the privilege of doing so. So it's exciting stuff. Happy to happy to uh, have have this time come for me and and all pretty much all my groomsmen all the guys standing with me are married dudes so i'm almost the last one in line so either way exciting stuff we got vegas coming up after the super bowl we've talked about that before and now it seems like uh it's sneaking up real quick but it's i think it's gonna be uh i, I found out a couple more a couple more guys are coming so you know it's gonna be a pretty packed house in in, in vegas so we're, we're gonna we're gonna tear it down we're gonna keep the super bowl party running a few more days love it Cannot wait. Oh, an exciting weekend to start the new year, to say the least. I mean, we can just dive right into it. The New Year's six days has become more and more exciting of a day as as we've moved forward. And I only can imagine what it, what it's going to look like come next year with the twelve team playoff, and there's going to be so much speculation and predictions and all this stuff that comes with that. But this New Year's, with it being the last of the four-team playoff, the last New Year's six as we know it, what a what an incredible day it was from start to finish. Uh, if you had if you had the opportunity to check out our, our New Year's six picks, we did pretty well, Brandon. We went four and one as a crew. Uh, we hit the LSU over. Uh, we hit Oregon covering. We hit... Alabama, I'm sorry, Michigan money line. We hit Washington, 
spread plus four. And the one that we didn't hit very well was Iowa. Uh, probably one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. I didn't really watch Iowa this season. That might be the worst ranked football team I've watched in a very long time. There was a picture on Twitter of Deacon Hill in the locker room, and it was like dialed in before the game. And I don't have a stat line up in front of me, but my goodness, was that game atrocious. I, I Tennessee put out for that for that kid that started that true freshman that went out there and and he balled out expected more out of the Iowa defense to cover those five points and even then they barely hit the under they barely hit the under by the hook uh the the Tennessee volunteers tried they really wanted to score there's no sportsmanship in college football it's kind of funny there's no kneeling uh in college football it's extremely interesting to me but Iowa looking like the worst team of of any sort of substance in some time yeah, I mean, and that's that's just what Iowa is, unfortunately. I mean, their offense is the reality, and, you know, with them being in the Big Ten, obviously you get to watch them quite a bit. But, um, yeah, I don't know what they have to what they have to do. I mean, their offense is generally always – I mean, you know, if they have their format or their formula um, to what format. they make a success. Yeah, they have their format too. Yeah, it's um, – but they have their formula to what they think is, you know, works and it does work in the big 10. And I think when uh, a team like Tennessee has a whole month to kind of get, you know, some Iowa defense on film and maybe scheme some stuff differently, like, yeah, it's tougher. And really Iowa, the way they play, like you, you cannot have a single turnover and you got to force a couple. And obviously that was not the case, but yeah, that was a bummer. I was hoping we'd be able to like go for a sweep on the day, but Four and one's still good. I mean, I was pumped about it. Four and one is, uh, you know, I'm pumped. You know, we're putting ourselves out there a little bit, and uh, our overall record is seven three and one uh, out of our not eleven picks. We're not terrible. We have a long way to go. A lot, a lot of failure to come. But on a, on a big day like that, on a big sports day, and a big and this day and age, a big sports gambling day proud of us going four and one. So we're going to keep that rolling into the weekend. So be sure to turn in, tune into the next episode because there'll be some picks in that one to keep the streak going. But Oregon dominated. You thought there for maybe like a half a second that Liberty was going to make it a game, and Oregon absolutely dominated. I, I kind of felt that from the get-go with Bo Nick. Bo Nick's respect to that guy, respect to him really going out there, balling out, staying with it, the disappointment of not being able to go for a national championship, which is definitely what he was going for, but to to, to go play ball. And that's, that's what these... Young athletes, I think, need to do more of. And we saw it in the Georgia-Florida State game, which we will get into a little later on. But, you know, you saw Georgia playing everyone that game and Florida State have 20-something opt-outs that game. It's a culture thing. And and or I think Bo Nix really added to that culture of Oregon. I think you, you set the standard for many years to come. But 45-6, to six, absolute domination from Oregon. And LSU in a shootout against Wisconsin. And... That was a fun game to watch. Grant Nussmeyer, I think his name is, kind of balled out. It was cool to see Malik Neighbors. Uh, you know, beginning of the season, we don't get to watch much college football because of work. And, you know, we end up watching some of the big games towards the end of the season. So it's nice watching these bowl games come out of guys that are actually prospects. And Malik Neighbors, probably a number one pick, uh, first-round pick, I mean, in this upcoming NFL draft. But Oregon, LSU showing out, doing their thing. Uh, you know, wasn't too surprised there at either of those. No, and I think the 
that Oregon game, like you said, Liberty was, I think they're up like six, nothing. Right. And then it just fell apart for them. I mean, Completely. it was a matter of time, I think for that game. And that, that ended up proving true. Um, but yeah, with, I, you know, that LSU Wisconsin game, thank goodness for that. Cause the morning slate, like it was exciting, you know, and it, depending on, you know, what side of action you were on, but like the games themselves were awful. So without that LSU Wisconsin one, it would have been a pretty slow going all the way to three o'clock till the Rose Bowl. Um, but yeah, I was I was kind of bummed. I wanted Jaden Daniels to play. Um, I think you know that was a pretty last minute announcement that he wasn't going to play. But I uh, wanted to see him one more time. And but again, I I get it for some of those star guys to where Dad, come here. I can understand the argument. You know, you don't want to hurt your draft stock with the potential of an injury and kind of take that risk. But um, with the transfer portal, with all the opt outs and stuff, yeah. I think the bowl season, you know, it's lost a little bit of its lure, I guess, at that point, you know, and some some players just don't view it as maybe as important as players have in the past. But at the same time, like there was a couple of those games you and me were watching and it's just like, man, these teams really want it. Like they're getting after it. So, you know, it. I think it depends team by team, bowl game by bowl game, what the situation is. But um yeah, like I said, really those those first few games about that LSU one, I'd have been snoozing. No, that's that's it's funny you say that because that that was the only game worth tuning in, staying tuned into, and yeah, thank goodness for that. Liberty, I don't you know I don't, I don't know what to expect. I think they were uh, probably a fraud to to be in that the Fiesta Bowl at that rate. Great, you know, props to them on a fantastic season. Should they have been that high of a place? I don't know. I mean, you could, you could put a, you could put some other teams there. I know there's rules of conferences when it comes to bowl games, but nonetheless, well, you know, yeah, those games are pretty awful. Now we, we're going to move on here to the big ones, the ones that everyone was waiting, waiting for. And it just took forever to get to those games. I mean, it, those morning games felt like they were taking forever for, and then, and just the talk that has been the, these two games and, and the hype, boy, do they live up to the hype. We'll start with Alabama versus Michigan. The line was plus two. I think it closed at plus two and a half Alabama at kickoff. Michigan ends up winning in overtime. We talked briefly off air. First half, don't know how Alabama survived that. Even though at the very, very beginning, it looked like Alabama was, you know, potentially going to run away with it with the first play being an interception that ended up by 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 centimeters getting called back uh, as an incomplete pass because the player was out of bounds. And then you had a, a muffed punt all within the first couple minutes of the game. You thought Michigan was going to be dead in the water. Then the rest of the half, Alabama didn't look right. Second half, Michigan didn't look right. Special teams, completely atrocious in that game, but an all-time classic nonetheless. I think watching those two games, watching those two big programs go at it head-to-head in the Rose Bowl was a treat at the very least. Blake Corum, what a tough, tough, tough runner he is. to And to do that against Alabama defense, I don't care what year it is, anytime you do that against an Alabama defense, Pretty darn impressive. Low-key, I think, you know, that running game and that O-line bailed J.J. McCarthy out because uh, I don't know if he had the best game. Maybe he did on paper, but, you know, the eye test, he didn't really pass it too well. Nonetheless, an incredible game. Roman Wilson coming out at the right time, 
quiet all game, coming out at the right time, doing his thing. The play call by Alabama, it was just a busted play. You know, everyone wants to go against the play calling. I don't I don't like going against the play calling because if he scores, everyone thinks it's genius. So it's if he doesn't well, score, that's what, I don't think it's just so I'm that's like what the it play is. call yeah. is just like I don't I don't I don't see any problem with the play call. They had run QB sneaks counters that way game, all game long. They felt like it was the right thing. Everyone wants to clown Nick Saban for supporting Tommy Reese. I mean, I'm just like if he if he if he runs it, they'll be like, "Wow, a gutsy play to call right. that!" You know, in that moment, a QB sneak. I just can't have it both ways. We've talked about that before, but Alabama not coming through. I think, you know, I, I and I think what got me really feeling that Michigan had a chance was Brandon. The the line never moved. The line never. Oh, moved. it went. It, if anything, it went more towards Michigan because when it very, you know, when it opened, now it didn't move a lot, but yeah, when it, it was one and a half for the last month, and then you wake up yesterday morning and it was at two, and then like you said, I think even a little bit more came in on Michigan to where it moved up a half a point again. But I, and I, you know, I was surprised by that. I thought that Alabama would ultimately be favored once the line closed but that was not the case and yeah i mean the play call thing that's just such an easy thing to debate so you know that's people love doing that whether it's like you said right or wrong because they got stopped it's the wrong play call so that's just an easy thing for people to pick on but um heck of a game blake Horms a beast this michigan's defense is a lot better than people knew you know, I think Michigan maybe didn't get as much credit as, you know, an undefeated number one ranked team would just because, you know, you kind of look at their schedule and in reality, you have Penn State and Ohio State and those are kind of your two big games each year. Um, but this, this team's legit. The defense is legit. And it was, it was interesting watching like Michigan kind of have these drives where they figured out that their offensive line and that they're winning in the trenches. And they're like, okay, let's feed Blake Corum and then maybe get, you know, some play action going or something like this. And then, you know, march right down the field, all good. And then the next drive, it's like, JJ, drop back three straight times, get the ball batted down, and we'll punt it away. And it's like, <laughs> it was so, it was almost frustrating watching it. It's like, you know what's working. Give the ball the number two and let him go. And, I mean, at the end of the game, too, that's kind of what I think the difference was. That play call on fourth and two was awesome. Getting Blake out into space, getting him the ball. A little bit bummer of the block in the back, but Wilson redeemed himself because he was the one that had that. That play was hilarious, dude. When they showed the replay, and it was of the angle was behind Blake, and Wilson's like telling him, like, cut this way, cut this way, cut this way. And he's like, whoo, it just shoves <laughs> It's like you can't do that. Like you can't, and, and like Corum, I think, like realized, like no, because he ends up still cutting the way the guy gets shoved. He's like, I can't go this way. It was hilarious, but yeah, the game was awesome, dude. It's instant classic. Overtime was, you know, I'm glad that Michigan didn't try to go for two at the end there of regulation. I just couldn't. My heart couldn't handle that. 
my heart was in my throat already all game. I was gonna, I was gonna say, Brandon, tell tell me about your day. Tell tell the people about your day. I mean, as a Michigan supporter, not knowing what's gonna happen. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think we want to know how much uh, was placed on that game. But nonetheless, regardless of that, I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. Tell us about your day. I mean, like I was saying, it was long. It was a long day for me, and I had to wait for the Washington game. But nonetheless, I was still excited for the Bama Michigan game. I mean, what was your day like and the game? Yeah. It was it was long. I mean, the anticipation was something where it's just like you're you're looking at the clock every 15 minutes, hoping that an hour had gone by and it's not. Doing a lot of house chores, you know, to kind of kill time. And then we had some friends end up coming over um, to you know just kind of watch the game and hang out a little bit. And it was so funny. The um, one of the one of the buddies' wives, Katie. She put a bet for Michigan's first drive to end in a turnover, oh, turnover on downs. No. And so that very first throw, I'm like wanting to throw a chair through the wall of just anger at JJ, but then at the same time wanting to congratulate her on like one of the greatest bets of all time, like very first play the Rose Bowl turnover. And then it got obviously, you know, got reversed, and that was a little bummer for her. But that was it was such an electric moment. It was like, I don't know, like I'm really impressed by the bet in the win, but no, like I was already over the game at that point. It's like I don't want to be a part of the playoff anymore. <laughs> the last two years have been awful. I just wanted to go to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I want to go to the Alamo Bowl. I I don't want to do these playoff games anymore. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, ups and downs of the game, and you know, Michigan ended up on top, which was. It was a fun feeling, but um, yeah, I don't know. That game was, I think that game went a lot like how I think most people saw it would. I don't know if the sloppiness maybe was as anticipated, especially on the Michigan side. Um, you thought that maybe they'd be a little bit more crisp because, yeah, JJ, he looked terrified like that first quarter. I mean, just didn't look like he was relaxed or i don't know what it was but you know missing that i mean just that one potential interception that he threw it's like dude just throw it six rows into the seats like he just threw it right at the bama player no need and then no no need for that then he had this you know a few throws where on crossing routes the guy's wide open he throws it behind him then he's not able to pick up the first down because he has to adjust and falls over um he also didn't get some help that the true freshman that kept dropping punts. He had that slant route that went right through his hands. That'd have been a big first down. So it wasn't the crisp, you know, the most crisp game. And like I said, I think that was maybe the surprising part, but with the spread, the total, I mean, Vegas pretty much had it right on, you know, close game coming down to the wire. You know, it was total. Your, it was your classic, not classic. And, and, and it was, you expected Bama's defense to do more, and then people didn't expect Michigan's defense to do as well as they did. They had six sacks, and I'm that five defensive, in the first half. Yeah, and defensive line linebackers were busting through like it was nothing. I mean, those sacks. It wasn't even like uh, you know coverage sacks. I mean, they were quick, heavy, pressured sacks. Every single one of them. 
Michigan's defense did better than Alabama's defense. I think that was the difference. The blown coverages on their man, man-to-man Alabama, the Kirk Herbstreit. Talk about Kirk Herbstreit killing it on the color commentary that game. If you want to put up Greg McElroy, who did the Washington-Texas game, and Kirk Herbstreit, Kirk Herbstreit dominated the call. I was learning so much. But the man-to-man with them blowing coverages on those running back you know, swing plays, it was happening all game. That fourth and two play, they they called that because that's what had been working the mm-hmm. entire time. And it worked on their first touchdown or a second touchdown maybe. Either way, it had worked all game. Six sacks. You can't have it if you're Alabama. And Michigan goes out on top winning. Yeah, I mean, a sloppy played game, but I think the hype and the, the, the intensity behind it, I think that kind of helped that aspect of it uh, make it not seem as, as sloppy as it actually was. Can we talk about the punt returns though, or not the the lack thereof punt returns because what no one can catch doing? a ball? What are we What are we doing? Unreal. Trying to make then, a play. I mean, you talk about kids being kids. I mean, that is some no that kidding. is some kid stuff. Well, and then the very last one, right? They benched the true freshman at that point, saying like, "We need someone back there who like <laughs> will make the right decision." And then this guy goes back there. He's running backwards, calls a fair catch to what? Catch it on the, I think, the six-yard line. Like, let the ball go. Ends up dropping it. I will give him credit for realizing that when he picked the ball up, he was on the one. Because, like, another step backwards, game's over, Alabama wins. So I will give him credit that he, like, understood, I need to make sure I do not go backwards anymore. And hold the ball and take a hit. Right, yeah. All the, like, at that point. And then... So Michigan runs the clock out. They take a knee to take a timeout to take another knee. What was that about? I feel like Jim Harbaugh went up to the referee to be like, hey, we call timeout there? Yeah. <laughs> like, I no like that was what was going on. With the ref because I don't think Jim Harbaugh understood. Someone called timeout. I was so confused. And I'm like, and then I was thinking when they called timeout, does JJ even have room to kneel it? That's what we were saying. That's what we were saying. The same thing while watching it. It's like, now he's going to have to try to go forward. And good thing he did he did a perfect kneel both times, straight down. But I, that was some confusion. It just felt like the game was going on and on and on and on. And it was a long game. The commercial breaks just takes forever. But, you know, there you go. Michigan in the championship game in their third year in the college football playoff. Going after, got their first win in the college football playoff and going for a championship against the Washington Huskies, who in the next game had another instant classic of a game in a completely different way to where offenses were clicking and plays were being made. And yeah, Michael Penix has turned into a top five draft pick after last night. And if he does the same thing next Monday, he's going to be the number one draft pick uh, come the NFL draft. I mean, what he what he's at, but he has to do it again he has to do it again to be that number one if he does what he did again and bear my dog bear is trying to chime in agreeing with me by the way if if, if Penix wants to if Penix wants to be that number one pick i think it totally ends up being ends up being his his performance on monday i think he's cracked the top 10 after what he did last night 430 yards throwing over 85 percent i think completion Three touchdowns. Some of those throws, those dime throws, those fade routes on one-on-one coverage. You just don't see that those kinds of throws being completed that many times in a row. And he just kept that, throwing. That one dimes. in the fourth quarter, that one in the fourth quarter along the sideline where he just dropped it right over the Texas defender's shoulder, right in the like it's just 
he was on one last night, man. It was crazy. And, and it was, you know, he's been doing that all year. Like, no, I know no. a lot of the country, that was their first, probably, you know, maybe second time getting to watch Washington. Um, But the guy's electric. I mean, he's he's a stud. And so, yeah, I, I you know, top 10, definitely doable. I don't know, you know, I don't know if I feel as strongly that he might jump Caleb. Well, and, you know. We even say like first overall pick, depending on what the Bears do all of a sudden, and we don't have to turn this into a draft talk, but it's like a, a quarterback might not even be going first, so right. who knows? True, true, true. Yeah, I think I think Penix is definitely should be, uh, you know, if he's not one of the first three quarterbacks to go, I think some teams are messing up. Yeah, I mean, it is uh, his draft stock climbed insanely last night during that game and props to Quinn Ewers. I mean, I think, I think Quinn played his best game against Oklahoma state in the big 12 championship game. And, you know, props to Washington's defense. They played well, they did their homework that last play. I think Quinn was looking for, I mean, pro, shout out to Ad, Ad, Adonai, Adonai Mitchell on that catch to make it a one possession game, jumping Unreal, up, yeah. you know, 45 inch vertical and making a catch where you think he'd, jumped too early and he jumped perfectly and then the ball goes back to him I believe at the end of the game it might it might have been him but the defender remembering that and making a play on he's like you know I'm gonna get higher <laughs> he gets higher and smacks it away yeah from him honestly if Quinn if if Quinn puts that more of on a rope and not necessarily like throw it up a jump ball like if he just gunned it in there I think that was a touchdown I agree and and what a way and we'll we will we, we'll rewind because you had Washington dominate the entire game, more or less. And if it wasn't for a punt, a muffed punt early in the game, and them getting too cute in the third quarter or the fourth, or actually early in the fourth quarter with some trick after they got the fumble, the second fumble, and they got a little cute. They got a penalty to go their way, and then they got cute with it. They were throwing the ball. They tried to do a trick play, and I think that kind of helped. And then. When you have the clock in your hand, so you have about 55 seconds left, about a minute left on the clock, a third down play, you run the ball, the clock is running, and for some reason at 47 seconds it stops where the clock should have ran to 15 because a Washington player gets injured, Dylan Johnson. And that ends up keeping time on the clock to where Washington has to punt the ball now with 40-some seconds on the clock. Literally, if Dylan Johnson doesn't get hurt there, and you know, hopefully he's ready to go by Monday, even though he didn't have a good game, still very important to that offense. If he doesn't get hurt there, the game is essentially over, and we don't even get to that last play, one second left situation. And Texas gets the ball, an incredible play downfield on, I believe it was third down to uh, on on a deep ball on a one-on-one -on -one play and then and then again you have a play and there was the right call to add the one second left on the clock but then you're like mm -hmm. and it's funny because everyone on the field knew it was hilarious because i expected washington to get a little too hype and run onto the field and run and on the, the field zeros. right no one did no. and what poise by washington low-key to stay grounded in that moment, because if I see zeros on the clock, I mean, how many times have you seen that? Let's, let's right. rewind way back to Miami versus Ohio State way back in the day where the same thing happened and they ended up calling P.I. And that might have ruined their chances coming overtime just because of the emotions. Washington mm -hmm. stays grounded. And, I man, I was nervous. You could tell. You can ask my fiance. I'm 
pacing. I'm like, one more play. It was the right call. It was the right call to put one more second on the clock. Quinn Ewers lobs it up. Elijah Jackson whacks it away. And Washington getting a chance at a national championship. Didn't think I'd ever say that, uh, you know, in, in the 20 years I've been following Washington. But unbelievable Michael Penix. I mean, balling out of his life. That throw he had to Jalen McMillan where he split two defenders on a rope. It's it's and he's got some wheels to him. And I think what made him incredible is he's been a running quarterback and the injuries turned him into a passing quarterback. And that's trouble. And if an offense and, a, and, and the right system takes that guy, he could be a real issue. And, you know, I, I the, the Broncos, <laughs> the Broncos Twitter was all over drafting Penix last night. And so was the Seattle well, Seahawks was- Twitter as well. It was hilarious to watch. It just he, on Twitter go nuts about his draft stock just rising, rising every play, every throw. Well, it was funny because I saw it was it just followed the games. So during the Rose Bowl, I kept seeing a bunch of of posts about how good J.J. McCarthy is going to look in a Broncos uniform, right? And then the then the second game comes along, the late game comes along, and then uh, you know then you start seeing all the edits of Michael Panic. So right now, Broncos country, we're just down so bad where if like if we see any quarterback like look somewhat decent, we're like ah, that's going to be the guy. <laughs> I mean, it's been uh, it's been that way since the Super Bowl year. It's it's a team that hasn't literally made the playoffs, so I, I can understand. I can understand the uh, <laughs> the feeling about that. So uh, it, it was fun to watch. I mean, two incredible instant classic games, ones that we'll, we'll never forget. The, the the sights, the scenes, the the overheads of Caesar Superdome in New Orleans, the overhead shots of, of the Rose Bowl, just incredible sights and sounds, and Vince Young being on the sideline in New Orleans. Uh, you yeah. know. He's been going to a steakhouse like, a lot. He's been going to a steakhouse. Yeah, a lot. I was gonna say that. Yeah. We've been to his steakhouse. Don't blame him for going there quite a bit. He's going to fantastic. Lot. But I was like, I feel like the last time I saw him on TV, he was still looking pretty good. And I think, you know, hey, more power to you. No judgment. I mean, unlike Cam Newton, been, he's realized he can't play anymore, so he's given up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> no, it was incredible. Yeah, was... Nonetheless, just all-time classic games. Um, and 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 we got what we wanted, man. I mean, we got. And, and and is it what we wanted? I don't know. In the in the grand scheme of things, but at the same, we time, got a two guys talking natty. We what got a mean? two guys talking natty. Michigan versus Washington, an incredible matchup. I think it's going to be an incredible football game. It's two teams that you know. It's not Georgia. It's not Alabama. I think most of the country is happy to not see that, but it's not two crappy teams. Nonetheless, it's not two scrubs. Right. It's, it's still two, two undefeated teams. Two undefeated teams, number one, number two, Michigan, Washington, two kind of opposite type teams in the way they play. Now it's going to be Michael Penix versus that defense. That's the matchup to watch in that game. Now who's going to be the X factors? Who's going to make the big plays on the side? Who's going to do those kinds of things? But I think the big matchup to look into is, yeah, can Michael Penix do what he did against Texas against that Michigan defense? And can that offensive line hold up for four quarters? Yeah, no, I agree. I think we'll probably get, you know, get into more of that game later this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, you know, for just those early matchups, I think that's going to be huge. I hope Michigan, you know, just remembers that they have one of the best running backs in the nation and like <laughs> remember that to start the game and not just in the second half. So we'll see. But yeah, dude, I'm pumped. It's it's going to be fun. I mean, Pac-12 versus Big Ten, two different styles. Future, you know, member of the Big Ten, Washington. So, you know, we'll get a little bit. Either way, whoever, after Michigan beat Bama, whoever won that Texas-Washington game, 
we're getting a preview of that, you know, matchup of next year because Michigan's got um, Texas on their out-of-conference schedule, and then obviously Washington will be in conference. So um, either way, it was going to kind of be like, all right, this is your introduction to the Big Ten. So I think if uh, Washington loses, they should uh, get their Big Ten offer revoked. Said, nope, you don't belong here, buddy. <laughs> is this you the can't test? cut it out here. Is this the test? <laughs> I think uh, I think we're in for another classic game. I don't, I don't see any other way. You got. I agree. You got I don't. Dockers on see. both sides. I mean, those receivers which we haven't talked about on Washington. They, I mean, Patrick Mahomes could use those receivers, man. I mean, those receivers are legit. Jalen McMillan, Jalen uh, uh, Polk, I believe is Jalen, and then Roma Dunze. Those guys. I mean, they're, they're, they're automatic. And and one thing I noticed was, you know, they they on those fade routes, they put their hands up so late. And one time the Texas guy got turned around by it because the fade's coming. He's looking up, and the ball's right there. And so the, the the Texas receiver's not looking for the ball yet. And then he puts his hands up. And right when he puts his hands up, the ball is in his. It just falls but, in. But the yeah. defender is looking back because he sees right. the hands go up, and he's like, "Where's the ball?" But the ball yep. was already there. That that chemistry that they have, you you know, I wonder and I'm curious to see how it's going to translate to the NFL if it does, because sometimes you just see those things not happen. But right, those receivers they got playmakers on both sides of the ball. Roman Wilson, Blake Corum, that entire offensive line is uh, a monster on the Michigan side. JJ McCarthy not having his best game and beating Alabama might be scary moving forward to to this Monday game because then you're giving this guy another chance and you know who how's that gonna pan out? I'm I'm I don't know, but Washington with now the longest streak in the nation at twenty one games, followed by Michigan, who's got fourteen game win streak. So twenty one game win streak, Kalen DeBoer, incredible stuff. Can he can he top Michigan? I you know it's not surprised that Michigan's the favorite going into this game. I don't see the line changing too much. I think it might hit three and a half, but I don't really. Yeah, see. I think it'll get smaller. I don't I think, think it goes under closer. a field goal. I'd be surprised if it goes under a field goal. Uh, just, just by pure, just paper. I mean, Michigan, Washington. You just Michigan's the bigger name. Michigan's the history. Michigan's the 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 better team on paper. They play in a better conference. Uh, you know, and some people might argue against that, but I, I, I think they do. So, I, it, there's a lot. There's a lot in this game. Uh, do I know how it's going to turn out? Uh, no idea. I, I, I think it's going to be an instant classic, though. I think we got another one on hand. I do know that both teams will be practicing catching punts this week. Man, That's should they? Sure, they definitely should be. That'll be that'll be something. If I'm if I'm one of the teams, whoever gets the ball to start the game. First down, I'm just going to punt it. And like, all right, let's really get in your head. Let's see if you can catch it. First see if you can catch it. First down, I'm punting it. Very first play. See if you see if you made any adjustments. <laughs> that might get in their head even more to where they That's what I did. It's like, whoa. And then they're going to drop the punt. It's like, all right, I have a lot of pressure. No team has ever punted on first down to open up a national championship. I can't be the guy to drop it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think when to go into this national championship and still no one's going to punt on first down. They're going to keep that trend going, I think. It's a bold take. Bold we'll take. But an exciting game, Monday, January 8th, Washington versus Michigan in Houston. Going to be a fun matchup. Really excited for that. Uh, you know, it, Already end, looked at tickets. Already looked at tickets. Not possible. What does not possible mean? I was thinking, you know, with the bigger stadium, more seat options, like, you know, maybe... 
maybe like a thousand dollars like would be doable to like get in and like i wasn't finding anything and again this is right after the washington texas game right so like that first rush of tickets but i wasn't seeing anything for like under thirty five hundred dollars per ticket to get into the building to get into the building and so what's that make parking yeah i don't i don't know that's what we should do (laughs) we should buy a parking lot where the national championship is going to be next year and then we should just do that every year and that should be our investment is just invest in national championship parking lots not a bad idea we could make we could return our profit in 30 minutes it's not a bad idea because my goodness can you imagine especially at an nfl stadium the amount of people and the amount that's going to happen. I did hear, and I'm assuming Michigan did the same thing, and this is probably just because it's my feed, but Washington is close, if not already sold out their 20,000 allotted tickets for that stadium. So I imagine Michigan has done the same, but happy to see, you know, I was really pleased to see the Pacific Northwest uh, travel to New Orleans as much as they did. Texas yeah, they was did louder, good. but they did good. They they held their own, and and the fact that they ended up winning definitely helps. But one thing, the last thing I want to shout out was the was a little skirmish at the end of the game with the fans, and then you had a forty five year old in the fan like yeah. wanting like egging on a fight. I'm like, guys, when you're in the fans, man, you can't egg on. I don't care if it's a professional, a college athlete, it doesn't really matter to me. You you can't act like tough guy because you know they can't do anything. I hate when people do that you know that the player can't do anything to you he's like come on let's go let's fight it's like you know and he's like a 45 year old dude i'm like come on guys let's 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 go well, i don't know if it was his kid but there was like you know yeah, young, young boy right next to him and it's like it yeah and i not good on the players yeah. either i'm not condoning what the no players i are agree doing, but i agree like the but 45 year old ain't helping anything at all and you're the older one in the room here let's act that way huh right and that's the thing it's like you know obviously you don't necessarily in a perfect world, you wouldn't want that from the players either. You know, and I'm sure coach probably said something afterwards. Like, hey, guys, you should know, just kind of remember. But I don't necessarily, like, want to fault the players too much for that. You know, they're hyped up. And, you know, they're just walking around the stadium showing love to different fans. And so it's like, okay, Texas fan, if you're making the decision to not just leave and you're going to watch these guys celebrate, like, don't act like an idiot because you're all pissed off that these people are celebrating in front of you. It's like, you're welcome to go. Like this time is for Washington. Right. Like you lost. Leave the building. Yeah, you know? if you're gonna so, stay there, then you have to like pretty much be quiet and just deal with it. If you're gonna choose right. to stay there, you're not gonna choose. And who knows if those are even those guys' seats. From the way it sounded like he could have just trickled on his way down from his 40th row up to the first row so right. he could exactly. get close. And then if that is his kid, I mean, come on. And the kid looked just like I doesn't know what to do. Just look lost, look scared. I mean, yeah. it's just like, come on, what do we well, it's just not not the right message. But, yeah, I just want to touch on that because it's like, this. hey, guys, if you're going to a game, let's just be better, huh? Like, and I'm the first – I know I could be, I shouldn't be the one to talk, but when I was in – because I was when I was in college, I was a loud, obnoxious, but I was in college. As I got older, you kind of realize you're just not going to really get into that nonsense. I mean, it's just not – it's not worth it. It's not It's not worth it over a, over a game. And it's like, yeah, your team lost. I'm sorry, like Texas, it's it's frustrating. Uh, actually, one more thing that just popped into my head, but uh, Matthew McConaughey, like when does it get cringeworthy of him just being on the sideline trying to pump these guys up like he's some sort of like hired gun for the team? Like, yeah. like, like what do you? I think doing? it's been, I think it's been cringy for a while. I mean, he's been he's been doing the sideline thing for 
a minute and most of the time it's just been around the the red river rivalry and you know because that's been like their biggest games that they've been a part of but now that the <laughs> fact that they're you know succeeding again and back in the playoffs obviously he's going to get his shine but yeah i think that's something that's been that's been annoying for a while like i don't mind just you know and now as CU is getting into the celebrity game on the sidelines, like I would feel the same way for CU. It's like make your little appearance and, you know, head to your box. Or if you want to watch the game from like the, you know, kind of the corner where, you know, the cutoffs where their teams can be and stuff. It's like stay on the field, but don't talk to the player. Just shut up. You're not a part of this team. Like, yeah, like Snoop Dogg's handing out treats on the sideline. Like Snoop Dogg, get your butt right. to the stands, man. Like right. after the game, please. Please, yeah, and it was uh, yeah, it was it was just a little little cringeworthy there. It just seemed uh, seemed a little much, and I think that's that kind of that kind of did it for me. But either way, Texas is out, Alabama's out, the big boys are gone, and we got the new incoming uh, the studs coming in, and it's gonna be a hell of a game. And I know Brandon and I are excited. Yeah, you know most listeners might not be, but for us, this is pretty dang special. So are we gonna do? We'll we'll have to think about it, but do we do a little friendly uh, wager, some sort of punishment or something? And you, you, I mean, I think in our in our history, I think you've gotten the upper hand most times. Obviously, CU CSU football doesn't fall doesn't follow that trend. But I'm saying like because you have the Seahawks over the Broncos, you got the Lakers over the Heat in the bubble. Um, I guess that's the only two, but like I haven't, I don't like all I have is Washington like, over oh, CU in the Pac-12 championship. That's right. Yep, we get. Yep, that's right. Forgot about that one. And all I have is to see you just continuing to beat CSU, but like on football. But I mean, other than that, like you've done pretty good. Yeah. No. I guess when when it really counts, I guess my 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 guys have come through. I guess that's that's yeah. that's for sure. I. But so just think about it. Maybe we do a little friendly wager. Yeah, you know when we come when we come and start making our picks this uh, before this weekend, we'll we'll have a little friendly wager and play. We'll, we'll we'll get something going. I think it's I think it's only right. I think it's only fair. Um, I have I have one. In, I have an idea of one, but I don't want to say it on air. But we'll 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 discuss it and then we'll we'll come with one. So um, I okay. have an idea, but excited. I mean, I we've I know we spent most of the show talking about it so far. We're just, it's just exciting stuff. Those games were incredible and. Uh, if you didn't get the chance to watch them, I, I would highly consider going onto YouTube and checking them out because that was uh, just an incredible, incredible feat. Moving on, we're going to move on to the NFL playoffs, kind of you know, going into Week 18, which is kind of a new thing for us these days. I'm so used to Week 17 being a thing, and it's funny when commentators talk about guys breaking records. It's like, yeah, well, of course they're going to break a record with an extra week. So, you know, I'm more impressed if they're able to do it in Week 17 now. Talk to me in 25, 30 years when we've done this week 18 thing for a while. And then we can talk about those records. But week 18, big playoff uh, implications in hand. We're going to start in the NFC. The San Francisco 49ers locking in that one seed. You got the Cowboys in the two, Lions in the three. Uh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, right now hosting a game. But they're tied with the New Orleans Saints. They have the tiebreaker over them, though. Rams in the, I'm sorry, Eagles in the five slot. They've dropped. They look horrendous, losing to the Cardinals. Arizona just has Philadelphia's number as a state, as a, as a town, uh, if you talk about the uh, baseball and football at this point. 
Rams in the sixth seed, Packers in that final seventh seed with the tiebreaker over the Seahawks and the New Orleans Saints. You have three teams, Brandon, tied there at eight and eight. You have the Green Bay Packers, you have the Seattle Seahawks, you have the New Orleans Saints, and because of the tie in record, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that wildcard realm. Out of those four teams, which two are going to make it. And obviously one of them has to be an NFC South team. The Seahawks play the Cardinals at home this week, and the Packers play the Bears at home this week. A couple games that both the Packers and the Seahawks should win. I think the Seahawks have a better opportunity against the Cardinals than the Packers do against the Bears. If the Packers win, they're in. Which do you, what do you see happening this week? You know, New Orleans playing the Falcons to end the season and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are ending their season against the Panthers on the road. So out of those four teams, the Pan- the Buccaneers, the Packers, the Seahawks, and the Saints, which two are going to make the playoffs? So I think if the Bucs play the Panthers, they should have that division wrapped up. So I think that takes care of that. So we got the Packers, um, Seahawks, and Saints. Now, the Packers one is, is interesting because they were in a very similar situation last year. They played the Lions on Sunday night, win and you're in, Aaron Rodgers' last game. Dan Campbell and the Lions kind of were starting to figure it out and you know really starting to play well. And the Lions just pretty much treated that as their Super Bowl and went out there and crushed the Packers' dreams. So in now Lambeau. the Bears... In Lambeau, right? In Lambeau, in Lambeau, yeah. yeah. So now the Bears, who... You know, they've seemed to kind of start playing a little bit better these last few weeks. Their schedule hasn't been like crazy, but like, you know, they played the Falcons and they took care of the Falcons. So, you know, a win's a win. But they're in a similar situation where, again, division rival, Bears, Packers, obviously historic rivalry. They could play spoiler. Um, but I don't know, like, again, if you're a Bears fan, I don't know if you want that. Do you want Justin Fields? I don't know where they're at. It's like, you know, I see I see the fans boo Justin Fields, like, in the middle of the season. Then I saw a clip, I think it was from this last week or maybe the weekend before, how they're chanting, we want Fields. So it's like, make up your mind, you know. Just I don't know. So I don't know what they're going to do. But, um, I mean, they have the Panthers' number one overall pick in a trade. So them winning to play spoiler, you know, doesn't necessarily mess up their draft too much. But if the Seahawks and the Packers both win, do the Packers, you said the Packers get the nod? Correct. Ah. So I think the Seahawks are going to be, the Saints are awful. The Saints are not good. So they're out of it. So wasn't that one of them you said? Yeah, the Saints, they, they, play, the they play the Falcons. Oh, uh, but the but yeah, but the if the Bucks win, they got the tiebreaker on the division. yes. Now, if the Packers and Seahawks lose, and the Saints win, the Saints are in. Gross. So okay. that's kind of how that works. I don't think the Saints have a tiebreaker. The Seahawks have the tiebreaker over the Saints, and the Packers have it over the Seahawks. I don't know if the Packers have it over the Saints. I assume they do. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I think if we're assuming that, I think the Packers will win, which I think ultimately it sounds like they have. Yep. Winning the enough, for the, the enough tiebreakers to where they're in, yeah. Okay, you know, I, I that Steelers I game for the Seahawks, man, that really just that that ruined your guys. I mean, I the, mean there was a few different 
games, the Rams game early on, right? When the Rams weren't playing that well, the Steelers won. Cowboys I mean, was a tough one, even though I mean that was yeah. a close one that they could have won, uh, right? Even though it's the Cowboys and it was on the road, that was a game the Seahawks could have won. The Rams game was probably the the biggest one. Steve, people will say the Steelers because of the moment of the season, but. The Steelers, I mean, the Steelers, I mean, at are home, was... the Steelers are gonna steal. And I think I mentioned this before. The Seahawks are notorious for doing this at home in big games. Like they they've done this against the Cardinals numerous years. They've done this against division rivals. I haven't seen them do it against a non-division rival in a while. But the Steelers came in hungry. They came in like Steeler football. I expect you know, the, I suspect expected more from the Seahawks defense. I didn't expect them to get beat up in the trenches so bad from start to finish. I expected them to turn it around. The offense looked fine. I mean, Gino, Gino continues to impress me every week. The throws he's able to make on his back foot, uh, you know, just just get it, just just make throws. I mean, it's like Michael Penix almost just just stepping back and making a throw happen. You're like, how did that happen? Right. And it just happens time and time and time again. Kenneth Walker doing his thing, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Mr. Reliable. And they they did their thing on offense. The Steve that 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 that's that stunk to say the least. That stunk, and yeah. uh, you know now definitely it feels down. like a season that could have gone, you know, a different way. Now, like, that, it yeah. Almost kind of feels like you know maybe a missed opportunity. But now at the same time, this is kind of what is expected more or less from the Seahawks. Like I don't think anyone expected them to make the playoffs last season, and I know this season the expectations were higher than last season. But in my eyes, I still didn't see this as a perennial playoff team. So yeah, I'm pleased to see them in this position. I'd like to see him win, just to end with a winning record to keep that just. On a high note, it stink to just end eight and nine. So I think they'll beat the Cardinals at home. They should. They know that they have to win regardless of what the Packers do. Now, the Green Bay Packers have helped the Seahawks in more ways than once. And I would love to see the Packers do something again uh, like that. And, you know, the Bears, yeah, like you said, they already have the number one pick locked down. Do they really have something to play for? Maybe Fields is fighting for a job. Uh, I'm curious. Yeah, exactly. That's where it's like, I don't know. I see the Bears coming out. I mean, we're talking about Packers Bears. If you know anything about that rivalry, that right. that's a big deal. It's in Lambeau. I don't see the Bears just folding over. And I, I mean, Jordan Love having the game, a great game against the Vikings. But again, this is what he's done all season long. He has done, you know, he's had a great game where he looks like, oh my God, this dude's the truth. And then he has games where they played against the New York Giants. So it's it's hard to say what what it's going to look like for the Packers. But it's going to be we're in for a treat on the on 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 that aspect of it. Going to the AFC, Baltimore Ravens, uh, more or less. I mean, they have they've locked in that one seed, just dominating teams, uh, good teams left and right, and and putting putting uh, Lamar Jackson's hungry. He's got the eye of of the tiger. He's just hungry and he wants it. I, I don't see how the MVP is not his at this point. Uh, but no, he's a run. Yeah, he's a runaway. He's a runaway at this board. point. So you have the Ravens in the number one playing Raven defense as well, which is scary. Miami Dolphins in the two seed. Kansas City Chiefs. You know they 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 found a way to beat Cincinnati, but you know didn't didn't look so convincing. The Jacksonville Jaguars in the four seed quietly finding their way in, even though having a pretty struggle of a season. Yeah, if they didn't have that hot start, they'd be hurting right now. Yeah, and I, so we'll see how that plays off in the playoffs for the, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Cleveland Browns, probably the hottest-looking team right now. Joe Flacco keeps Joe Flacco-ing. I mean, what is happening on that front? I mean, we, we both kind of thought it would go down, and in the first half, I'm texting you, three touchdowns, 250 yeah. yards. No, Amari I don't Cooper. understand it. I don't understand it. Joe Flacco, it. man. I'm your whole Hall of Fame. 
And he's this week? Literally. Like, literally. He is. It's crazy what he's doing. Go, it's like uh, Philip Rivers for me. Go win a playoff game, Joe, and you're in the Hall of Fame for me. Yeah, just one playoff game. Just one. <laughs> it could be cool, man. We could have, if things go right, we could have a potential Joe Flacco and the Browns going to Baltimore to play the Ravens and then potentially a Matt Stafford and the Rams going to Detroit to play the Lions. So it'd be, you know, kind of depends on how the seating and obviously then, you know, who wins the first rounds, but uh, gave me goosebumps. Kind of some cool, kind of cool potential things going on. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, people don't remember how like Joe Flacco was the guy. I mean, what he did that season, they won the Super Bowl. That playoff run was incredible. I've mentioned it multiple times before 16 touchdowns, no picks. I mean, that guy went off and then, yeah. And and it's obviously in Denver lore, big time. Yeah. I always want, sometimes Raheem Moore, I just wonder what he's up to. I mean, I wonder what he's, I don't, I don't Well, I know. I you know what? He's listening no. to this podcast. That's what he's doing. He's listening. To well, Raheem, I hope you stub your toe when you wake up in the morning tomorrow if you're listening to this. And I hope that happens to you every <laughs> single day the rest of your life. And then Matt Stafford. I mean, not being able to take that team to a playoff, but getting the respect. Oh, he did take them to a playoffs, but yeah, I thought they got one. They got I mean, one. It didn't go well. But, you know, he 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 kind of brought them back to life more or less as the number one pick. Had Megatron there, but he, I mean, he was a tough guy. He was the face of the franchise. He wasn't a bad quarterback, like we said last in the last show. He's he's arguably a top five active quarterback in the league, and I think part of that is because of what he did in Detroit. But then to go back there when they when they're gonna host a playoff game for the first time in God knows how long. Winning a division first time ever. I mean, oh, we got to put some respect on Stafford's name. He went to uh, the playoffs three times with Detroit. Excuse me. So I, good for okay. Well, then he did something in Detroit. He sure did. My goodness. We, 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 two two guys need to do some research, I guess. So yeah, maybe stop talking <laughs> and start reading. So yeah, Matt Stafford. I mean, it's it's pretty cool to see him go back there. I mean. They haven't won a division ever. Now, there's no Aaron Rodgers and no Kirk Cousins, all right? So there's no Jay Cutler. So, you know, you don't have the same guys in the division as, as they did. So Jared Goff doing his thing. But how cool, yeah, how cool to have Joe Flacco return to Baltimore in his prime and Matt Stafford returning to Detroit still still balling out. Yeah, really, really cool stuff. You have the Buffalo Bills in the sixth seed, racking up the sixth seed there. You have the a three-way tie. For the seventh seed, just like we have in the NFC, you have the Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans, and the Pittsburgh Steelers all at nine and seven. The Indianapolis Colts have the spot right now. Now they are tied with Jacksonville for the division. So looking at that, Jacksonville versus the Titans, which the Titans are a hot mess. You have Indianapolis. Their last game is against the Texans. So the Texans, that's a huge game there because the Texans are the eighth seed there. And then you have the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I think they're going to need some help, but they go to the Ravens. So they're going to need some extra help there. And then on top of that, you do have a big matchup of two teams that have clinched the AFC East title, the Sunday night game. Miami versus Buffalo. So I think with that game, and I'm trying to find out right now, depending on how some stuff goes in the afternoon, like the morning and afternoon slate, Buffalo could be stuck with a situation to where 
they win and they are a two seed, but if they lose, they don't make the playoffs at all. Unbelievable. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like you said, some other teams, like depending on some of the results of some of these other cards in the wild card, they could be left in a position where win and you're in, which is, you know, that's fine. You control your own destiny, but win and you're in is as the two seed. But if you lose, that six seed that you currently have disappears. So you could say it's a big game in Miami. You could say for, it's huge for Buffalo. I think Buffalo's a fraud, so we'll see. Ooh, I think Miami's a fraud. I think both are frauds. So Agreed. I think Buffalo's a bigger fraud. I think Miami with a bounce back game at home Sunday night. I think they end up pulling out the victory, but I don't know. I mean, Buffalo's good in these situations. Really, really honing down on the trenches and the physicality of a game, they can really turn it up on you. And when Josh Allen is is on, I mean, he, he's a tough guy to stop, especially when he's running that football. He's a tough guy to bring down. So in that situation, I think Miami wins that. But in terms of the who who wins the the the, the seventh seed, I, I'm gonna you know so so I think Jacksonville wins against Tennessee. I think they lock in the mm -hmm. division, and then I think Houston wins. I think Houston beats the I Indianapolis agree. Colts. I think Houston goes to Indianapolis and crushes the Colts' dreams. I love C.J. Stroud. I don't believe in whatever quarterback they're gonna throw out there in Indianapolis. And Michael Pittman is still, I don't think he's still ready to go yet. I'd be surprised if he is. If he is, someone is not doing right. I don't know how a guy comes back from what he dealt with. But I don't know if Michael Pittman's ready to go. I think Houston, with the momentum that they have with the last game they played, I think they beat Tennessee, was it? I can't believe remember who they played last week. Can pull it up real quick here. But their game last week, yeah, they beat Tennessee 26-3 to pretty handily. I think this is a team they competed with Cleveland. I think they go in, take that game. I think this game is on Saturday night. I think it's a Saturday night game this week. So um, I thought they were all on Sunday. Maybe. No, we got some Saturday night games this week. Heck yeah. So I think the Colts and Texans is a Saturday night game in Indianapolis. I think the Texans take it. I think they win. I think they get the seventh spot. You agree? Yeah, I think if... Stroud had not gotten that concussion and with how the Jags have kind of um, come back to the pack a little bit, like if CJ would have been healthy, I think the Texans could have just won that division outright. So I, I agree. I think the Texans will win. It looks like Michael Pittman is back. He even played last week against the Raiders. Yeah, so not, I don't that know. boy's that boy's built deal for him. <laughs> I'd have been in a coma for six and a half years. I think he is, and that. he doesn't know that yet, and they're just playing him. Letting it ride, yeah. Yeah, just letting it ride. You're fine. Uh, Get up. But, yeah, I, I again, I think the Texans, it is on the road, but I don't know. I think I think that's so hard when like when the teams when they're, they're when they're like this and they're like just so mediocre. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, being at home kind of helps, but it's like, but you're it's like the Broncos. It's like, well, being at home should have helped against the Patriots, and that didn't mean a you know a single thing. So, yeah, I just feel like sometimes home field advantage is uh, is 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 not really a thing everywhere. I think you really have to. Right. No, I agree. Yeah, you, you really have to be different, and yeah, I I don't know how much it's going to be in Indianapolis. Like you said, both mediocre. I don't know how much I'm really excited for an Indianapolis playoff run. I'm not saying the Texans will do it, but I think they're more poised to make a run than the Colts. 
in the playoffs. I think their their youth. I think D'Amico Ryan's. I think their receivers. Like I said before, I like C.J. Stroud. I think they're poised to make a run, but if the Colts make the playoffs, I mean, they're out in the first, I don't know how they make it out the first round. I don't know how they make it out the first quarter of the playoff game. I don't there's know. there's a lot of those teams, both on the AFC and NFC side, where I think it's that same thing. It's like, but how many times have we said that and, you know, that one classic wild card upset happens, you know? So, I mean, that's why you play the game, but. Why we play the game? No, I think, like, like I was saying, I think Houston's poised for that, if any. Yeah. Uh, not right. the Colts. Not the Colts. I'd be I'd be shocked if the Colts found a way to do something with Gardner Minshew. But exciting stuff. We'll have our official picks this weekend, uh, later in the week, and we'll share those with all of you then. Moving on, with the season winding down, NFL awards, a lot of talk happening this season, and uh, want to go through all, you know your your thoughts on. Who's going to win some of these awards? Talking about most valuable player, coach of the year, comeback player of the year, offensive and defensive player of the year, and offensive and defensive rookie. Uh, I'm curious to, to know your thoughts. I think we mentioned it early, earlier, just a few minutes ago, about the MVP, and I think we're both on the same page of Lamar Jackson is the clear MVP of the NFL this season. Yep. Yeah, not a lot to, I think, debate. On that one, yeah, you know, I think it, it was it was going to be interesting to see if Purdy was going to be able to kind of keep pace because um, he was the betting favorite for for most of the season, and then once he had that um, really bad game two weeks ago, then at that point it was Lamar's to just take over. So surprise, surprise. I think you know, and then again, then he goes and does what he did against um, Miami this last weekend to really just kind of. Put the nail in the coffin on that one. The odds are minus 20,000 for Lamar nice. Jackson to win. So pretty much That's in the bag there. In the, in the bag there. Offense, uh, we'll, go, we'll, go to, uh, we'll go to coach of the year next. Coach of the year, who are you leaning towards for coach of the year in the NFL? So I have a future that I put on D'Amico Ryan's. Um. And so I'm really kind of bummed that Stefanski's been making a huge climb on this because um, he was not necessarily anywhere involved in that. But um, it was going to be kind of cool because D'Amico and then Shane Steichen play each other. So it's kind of been like, you know, coach of the year on the line type of vibe. But um, that's I don't know. I mean, why is Kevin Stefanski like – why is he the favorite? What? Why? Yeah, and so why is Stephen, Kevin Stefanski there, and why is Joe Flacco not in the MVP race? Like right. that's my like, tell. Tell me, tell me what we're doing here. Make it make sense. Exactly. So I don't know. It's kind of a bummer that he's such a heavy favorite because that looks like it. But um, I really like what D'Amico's done in Houston. I mean, turning that roster around one year, rookie quarterback. I mean, it's that's been pretty cool to see. So. Like I said, when I, I took a future on him maybe halfway through the season, so that was looking good for a minute there, but that'd be my pick. I love defensive coaches that still like have a dope offense. Like Those mm -hmm. are the kind of coaches I like. 
Like you thought that might have been the case in the New York Jets with Robert Sala and then Aaron Rodgers and even maybe with Zach Wilson before he fell off. But you know, D'Amico Ryans is a linebacker. He was a defensive coordinator for the San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers. And then he comes in, drafts the probably the best quarterback when it's all said and done in that class. I think C.J. Stroud was the guy, and he's proven it. And then some of those receivers with Tank Dell and you know Robert Woods being like a backdoor to all these guys is pretty hilarious to me. So like, because Robert Woods had a great the last couple of years and now he's just kind of lost in the shuffle with all these young guys out there so D'Amico's a great pick I'm just gonna bring up the elephant in the room and I don't know how he's where he's at I mean Dan Campbell to me is clearly the coach of the year in my opinion like I love D'Amico was right up there with him like it's D'Amico and Dan for me I'm glad you said D'Amico so then I can fight for Dan because Dan Campbell I mean I had to look at last year's coach of the year to see okay maybe he won last year no Brian Dable won last year and that this is this is my problem with the award right is why is Kevin Stefanski's not not going to do this again He's not, and I know it's coach of the year, but I think MVP is a very arbitrary award too. I don't think we're very locked in on what the hell MVP is in, in, in terms of what it, who, what is the MVP? Is the most valuable player? I've it's said the this, best quarterback. On, it's the quarterback on the best team. I've said this for years. I said it on multiple podcasts, not even this one. And I'll say it on this one. Peyton Manning. If you want to talk about most valuable player, Peyton Manning should have been MVP the year he sat out for the Indianapolis Colts. If that doesn't talk about what a most valuable player is then I don't know what is. So with that being said, coach of the year. So for me, I'm like, okay, who's going to sustain what the hell is going on with my with my program? And Dan Campbell is the definition of that. Stay, Shane Steichen, like props, dude. You went 9-7 and seven in your first year in Indianapolis. Big whoop. Like, I, I don't know why he's... Uh, well, but it's interesting, too, with how, like, how much Philly's struggled without him. So it's like, you know... That's another way to put was, it. No, true, you know, true. Yeah, so you kind of look at yeah. that to where it's like, that's fair. You know, same thing, new situation. It's like, well, the Eagles have seemed to kind of take a step back. So, not that I don't think those type of conversations should play a role in the in the award. No, but. no, I'm with, and that well, that goes to my Peyton Manning comment because it shows right. he his valuable valueness leaving Philadelphia uh, and not being there. So, I come up with my own words on this show. So, someday we'll have a Prav dictionary and we'll have valueness in there. Put it down, Dan Campbell. Put it down. I, I think Dan Campbell has been the epitome of what you want in a coach. He has turned that franchise around. He has brought hope and he's brought actual results to that team and his energy, right. his, what he stands for, how pissed off he was against the Cowboys game. I see him winning 45 to nothing. I mean, book it 50 to nothing against uh, th this week. I don't care who they're playing. I don't care that they've booked in a spot. I mean, he's going to be hungry and he's for him to be bad. the fourth favorite on this list i mean it kind of shocks me because i'm like to me he's a clear favorite like i i just i'm like dan campbell like Ke kevin stefanski man you've, you you like, i don't know you're calling the same plays with joe flacco like is that you or is that joe flacco like i don't, I don't know who it really is and then do you know kevin stefanski was there when they when they signed deshaun watson oh but that was that was the front office okay so what's joe flacco move then is that not the front office so you want to right. take credit when credit like where were you during the deshaun watson deal you know first of all right. as, as 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 the situation that's going on with deshaun is and then you pay him 250 million dollars guaranteed every dollar of it it doesn't make any sense so that surprises me like I said, glad you said D'Amico, but my pick is Dan Campbell. Yeah. No, I agree. I think Dan Dan can would certainly deserve it. I mean, that Lions team is having success that they've never had before, you know, in regards to winning a division and um 
I think I just like how authentic he is too. I think you mentioned that, which is how like that team matches his, you know, spirit and with everything he does on on the field with play calling or decision making, whatever it is, it's that's who he is and he he sticks to it. Well, you talk about sticking to it, huh? Like throughout that whole debacle of the two point conversion in that game, he he stuck to going for it. I mean, you would think at, at some point he'd be like, ah, you know what? Let's just kick kick the extra point. But Dan yep. Campbell's like, no, nah, I'm I'm no matter what happens here, we're going for it. And to go off of that, I, I I didn't you know what what regardless of what happened that play. It's not rigged. It's not a conspiracy. People mess up. And, you know, something on the refs that I, I always point to is, you know, you, you'll always blame it when it's against your team, but when it's for your team, you'll never say a word. And that's what no, the number one issue is with how we complain about sports is – if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna moan, at least acknowledge that you're doing it because of the love of your team, not because you actually think the officials need to be better at their job. Because that's really not what it comes down to. But right. that debacle, yeah, you talk about sticking to something. He stuck to going for two, three times in a row. <laughs> did you hear the? I think he did the radio interview on either today or on Monday. But did you hear his local radio interview with I did not. Detroit guys? So one of the guys was asking him about it. You know, just kind of the thought process into the decision. And Dan was kind of saying, he's like, yeah, I told the team before that drive started, we're going to go down, we're going to score, and then we're going for two. Like, that, we already made that up. It's like, we're we're going to go for two if we score. And so then they brought up, it's like, okay, so after the penalty, he's like, we said we're going for two. <laughs> like, this is what we decided. And they did, you know, they did kind of counter with like, all right, so if it was a holding penalty and they pushed you back 10 yards, do you think you would have changed? Like, he's like, yeah, that one probably would have been a little bit different. But he's like, seven-yard line, we're going for two. And he kind of started getting a little agitated with the guys because they're like, yeah, I feel like, you know, that's just really low chance success rate, this and that. And he's like, why don't you just say what you want to say? Like, I'm on your radio show. Just say what you want to say. Just treat me like I'm anyone else. Say what you want to say. And the guy continues to kind of dance around it and, you know, the guy finally just says, like, I think it was a reckless move. And Dan's like, thank you. Thank you for being honest with me. And just left it at that. That's why he's my coach of the year. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It was so good. And, you know, it wasn't like where he was getting condescending with the right. guy. Like, you know, he was just like, dude, just say what you want to say. If you want to say that you thought is a dumb play call, tell me that. Like, I'm right here. I'm on your show. We're talking. Don't Don't try to hide just because I'm finally here. Dan Campbell's the man, and I'm looking forward to that. What what they do this weekend after that? You talk about a a bounce back game. Uh, the, they'll probably bounce back big time uh, this this week. So next up, uh, offensive player of the year is this Christian McCaffrey's award to lose. Does C.D. Lamb or Tyreek Hill even have a shot at this? Depending on what happens in Week 18, I I you know if anyone I think. Tyreek might have a chance with how he does on Sunday night, but you know, to me, I think Christian McCaffrey is the offensive player of the year. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he'll be playing on Sunday um, because they already have everything wrapped up. So unless if, yeah, unless if Tyreek does something crazy, you know, if Tyreek does what Stevie Lamb did, that that could get the conversation. Right. Yeah, like you know, if he goes for three touchdowns and one of them's maybe a you know a game winning or a late touchdown to yeah. put him up type thing, maybe it kind of sways. But yeah, I I mean, with how 
I think if the award was different, you could still seriously make a case that he could be MVP too. You know, I get yeah. it. It's at this point, it's kind of turned into just a quarterback award, the best quarterback award. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he doesn't win that award. He's he's crazy good, dude. This stuff that he can do, and I know he's had some, you know, some injury kind of issues in the past. But other than that, if he's playing, he's gonna, you know, generally produce. This weekend, actually, he didn't have that good of a week, but um, and I'm sure that hurt a lot of people in the fantasy football championships. That's the only reason I'm kind of knowing how how uh, the oh, yeah. vibe is around McCaffrey right now, but. Um, yeah, I think, I think he wins that award. It's funny. I saw someone tweet on a McCaffrey post saying, yeah, I haven't seen many sore hamstrings since he left the Panthers. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, sorry about that. You know, what's funny. So we, uh, my wife and I were out to dinner for new year's Eve and there was a table behind us and it was, uh, two couples sitting together and they were maybe in like their mid sixties or something. And they started talking about Christian McCaffrey. And I was just, you know, we were sitting close enough, quite enough restaurant where you kind of overhear. And one of the guys was saying like how he wasn't a big fan of Christian because how he left Carolina. And it almost felt like, well, just because they weren't good, like he didn't want to be there. And it's like, well, yeah, like, and it's not like the Panthers are like, have shown anything to where they're going to be like turning it around. And so, but it was just interesting to hear that because like similar to that, like, well, you know, he was always hurt and like then he's blaming the team for not having being successful but he's not playing and this and that and so that you know your your comment there just kind of reminded me of that but it was interesting hearing the guys train of thought and like i said i don't know if he's necessarily wrong but you know when you're that elite of an athlete and that good of a player you know you do your couple years give the team a chance to kind of turn it around and then it's like guys i want to go win those are the kind of comments that make me feel like Christian McCaffrey like stole his girl at a bar or something. Yeah, or like you know, his and again because we're you know Christian McCaffrey, local guy here. Yeah, maybe because the guys based on the guy's age. Yeah, they maybe go. His, maybe go. his daughter. Maybe his daughter. Well, no, because this guy was older than us. Older. Maybe his daughter yeah. had like a big crush on Christian in high school, yeah. and he wasn't interested. Yeah, no, and that's. I, it just sounds like one of those comments, like, why you pick, like, really? Like, and he got traded. I mean, I'm just like, I don't, like, it, right. was, it was a trade. So, like, the team had something to do with it as well. Like, right. it's not all all Christian McCaffrey. Either way, he's in a better spot now. And he's in a, it, I think for the NFL, he's in a better spot. So, defensive player of the year, you know, right now, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of torn on, on looking at the odds here. I want to hear your take. Who's your defensive player of the year? Um, I don't think it's Miles Garrett, and I'm again, I'm just kind of annoyed about how like he's good. I'm not saying that, but the Browns are getting a lot of love here. Browns are getting a lot of love. Joe Flacco MVP, Kevin Stefanski Coach of the Year. Yeah, it's like Miles Garrett Defensive Player of the Year, and the Browns are winning the Super Bowl. It's like, do we know? Like, we understand that they didn't win their division, right, guys? Like, the number one seed in the AFC won that division, like. (laughs) Whatever. All right, go Browns, I guess. Um, so back to the defense play of the year pick. Um, the Micah Parsons one is kind of interesting. I don't think that defense has been that good, though. It's been him. 
I think that might so be like, why and he's that's there. Fair. Yeah. But yeah. I think the defense is, has been good because of my, like his disruption. Yeah, I mean, I like Max Crosby, a, man. You talk about disrupt, disruption. I like Max Crosby. That I guy's think, a beast. I think him all the way around, and yeah, his character off the field. I mean, I'm all about his 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 demeanor off the field in interviews and in you know on camera, off camera. I mean, he's he's just a beast, and then he's he's friendly with the guys, but then you hate him. You hate every bit of him, but then he's tapping Patrick Mahomes on the head. You know, they're having conversations, but he's just a pest, and he's really dang good. I think him and TJ Watt are hand in hand, and I would give Max Crosby the edge this season. I know the odds don't really put him there, but yeah, I'm I'm feeling Max Max Crosby is my defensive player of the year. I think he's been a menace all season long. I think he's the reason the Raiders even have even been relevant in any way this season. Yeah. No, I don't I I don't hate that. He's um like you said, he's yeah, one of those guys just can wreck a game plan for an offense yeah. and he it doesn't matter what you do um and he's always there one thing i was thinking about today and i don't know if it's actually a reality but based on like after the raiders made that switch um you know as far as coach it seems like that locker room's been like really like energized and they're like just having a lot of fun and this and that and so I was like trying to figure out like why like a Broncos locker room hasn't even like felt that way in a long time when in reality the Broncos have a better record than the Raiders. I think we're still in probably a better spot as far as like where our roster needs improvement. Like I think we have less work to do than the Raiders. You would think we'd be more excited about our coach versus their coach. And it's not like the Raiders have even I don't know how people are feeling about your good. Well, I don't know. But again, agree, agree. And then the Raiders, you know, closing out the season here, they lost 3 nothing to the Vikings. <laughs> they had the Chargers game where they completely boat raced them. Yeah. Then they beat the Chiefs. But then they just lost to the Colts. And it's like, I, I just don't get it. They had lost before the Vikings game. They'd lost to the Chiefs, to the Dolphins. And so it's not like they went on this like crazy end of season run and they like just fell short. Like this team's been really bad the whole year. Correct. And I'm just so confused on like why I see clips and their locker room is fun, you know, music going, smoking cigars after a win, which like, uh, you know, do what you got to do. If you're having fun, it's hard to win the NFL. Enjoy it. But and then on the Broncos side, like I was uh, the way I was thinking about it, if the Raiders had would have beaten the Colts this weekend that locker room would have been insane. And like, if you think about what the Broncos did this weekend, beating the Chargers, didn't play well, not a good game, all that. I understand that. But like, the vibes are so different, and I don't get it. And maybe it's because Max Crosby is that much of a locker room guy, and he just (laughs) brings it. I don't know, but it was annoying me. I got your answer. I got your answer right here, man. It's If you say Sean Payton. No, 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 no. Okay. Honestly, Sean Payton can go... Home, I screw that guy. I'm so sick of him. Well, that's why that's why I figured you'd so, say that's the difference because no, no one no, likes him. No, I no, not, not Sean Payne. It, it's a bigger picture thing that you know we love big picture. It's a big picture, bigger picture. It's culture, man. It's expectation. The Raiders' expectation is not to do anything. They're, so when they yeah. beat the Chiefs, it's 
on Christmas. It's like, hallelujah, we have won the Super Bowl. Because that's the expectation. What more are we going to expect from the Raider? It's not just win, baby. It's just Raider, baby. They just Raider all the dang time. That's all they do. Right. Raiders are going to Raider. They they always. But what's the Broncos' expectation here? You're talking about a three-time Super Bowl franchise here. Now, the Raiders could say the same thing, but what have they done recently to earn that right? In the last 20 years, what have they done recently? Uh, they lost that Super Bowl. The last one they went to, they lost. They got smacked by John Gruden and the Buccaneers in San Diego. I was seven years old in San Diego at the time. I'll never forget that one. John Lynch was on that on the field that game. So I, I the Raiders are gonna read the Broncos expectations are what? Super Bowl. And when they when you sign Russell Wilson, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, Hall of Famer at the time, you're just kind of like, yeah, this is this is our expectations. Yeah, it feels when, it feels more of a disappointing and, of a season than where the Raiders can, are you like can win, you can beat the Patriots on, on Christmas Eve and you can you can you know win those Big, you could beat the Lions even, but it's just like you don't make the playoffs. It's a disappointing year, and that's the expectation. And I think the Raiders are fun in that way because they are the Raiders and they can get away with that. But in the end, are you is anyone ever taking the Raiders seriously? I mean, yeah, you have Coach who grew up a Raiders fan in Compton. He's he's wearing all black Air Force Ones walking into the field. I mean, it's 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 a vibe, right? Everyone's feeling it. Everyone's loving loving that energy, but. The expectation is not that in Denver. The expectation is playoffs and Super Bowls, and that's what they expect in Denver, and that is what Sean Payton expects. That's kind of his demeanor is what it comes out to, and yeah, I think you know the Raiders are going to Raider, and so I think that's what it, what it comes down to. Yeah, you win a game, and it's like, yeah, let's smoke cigars because we ain't going any farther than this, boys. Right. No, that's a good point. I agree. Like I said, just sorry to take us off on a tangent there, but it was – Something I was thinking about today. It's hey, like, just, man, it just seems fun to be in that locker room. It's just two guys talking. Two guys talking. Defensive player of the year done. Next up, we're going to go to comeback player of the year. I'm going with Joe Flacco. I mean, he's actually played. Like That's what I'm saying, man. I, like, God, I, bless, God bless DeMar. Happy you're with us still. Love it. It's one of the scariest things I've ever watched. But brother, you haven't played. <laughs> like, like you can win like Time Magazine Comeback Player of the Year, but like yeah. you didn't play in the NFL this year. Right, he had a couple of games, I think. And Joe Flacco's like, my comeback player of the Joe, year, man. Yeah, how could it not be Joe Flacco? I mean, you know, Baker's on this list, and like Baker, you could argue because Baker has had a had an incredible year, but I'm not taking that seriously. So no, Joe Flacco was signed off the street, man. Joe's he chilling, and he's dude, he's balling out. I mean, do you see the stats of he's had more touchdowns than Kenny Pickett this season in his last three games? That's not good. I mean, I'm that's like, not good for your Steelers. No, not at all. And I'm like, and that's why it pisses me off that Mason Rudolph went into Seattle and beat the Seahawks. I'm like, how disgraceful is that? But Joe Flacco. I mean, yeah. Shout out Demar Hamlin. I'm all, I'm all about that, and I'm all about this. But this whole, it's turning into a, a sideshow for me. And do we need to keep this going? I mean, call me insensitive, but I don't care. Joe Flacco's comeback player of the year, and that's that's that. I mean, it's it's pretty simple in my eyes. No, I, I agree. It's like I understand what they're trying to do with DeMar, and it's a really cool gesture. And, But, yeah, at that point, like you got to find another way to honor him. Like, I don't know. But okay, here. if we just start giving awards, like if we're just giving awards because it's cool. I don't know. I don't know how what to if, feel about what it. If, I don't what like if, it. What, okay, what if we name the award after him? That's not a bad idea. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. The DeMar Hamlin comeback. 
Player of the Year award. All in, baby. But right. you don't need to give him the award. Just name it after him and what good. Like, if he, if he came back and played, I mean, yeah, that's a different story. Agreed. Man. Agreed. But, I, you know, and it's just, you know, what we don't need to, we, we don't need to keep going on. We're going to offend somebody. So, <laughs> Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, you know, I, Puka, that easy. does Puka Nakua even have a chance? I mean, the guy's balled out. But at this point, when you have a quarterback doing what C.J. Stroud's doing, C.J. Stroud's the, the runaway with that one. So, Offensive yeah, player of the year, pretty easy there. I think it's it's similar to again the MVP. I mean, a lot of these awards, if there's position players and quarterbacks involved, like the quarterback's always going to get get the award over it. Got to be a bummer for the skill guys, but yep, CJ Stroud, run away. Defensive player of the year, you know, I just because of bias, I'm going to shout out Devin Witherspoon because he's had an incredible year, and surprisingly enough, he's had times this season for the Seattle Seahawks to where when their defense is like down and not doing well, he's the one to come up and make a play in the backfield or make a play on, on a, on a pass. He's the one and he's a rookie. He ends up being a top five pick for the Seahawks to pick, you know, the pick this past season. And, you know, I just making my case for him. Is he going to win it? I doubt it. I think Jalen Carter is the guy he's been, he looks like an eight-year veteran. I mean, he looks like Indomitian Sue in his prime. Like, he looks scary. He looked like he looked like that at Georgia, even before he got totally. to the league. And he's like, you're, you're a rookie? You're in college? Yeah. Like, I, he looks like an eight-year vet, six-time pro bowler. Yeah. And he's, that's he's a beast, man. And that, that defense has had issues, especially the, you know, really from the middle of the season on um, to where the Eagles just look awful. But, no, that guy's still... Still producing. I mean, at that point, like similar to like a Micah Parsons thing. It's like if, if he wasn't a part of that defense, they'd be in a lot worse position. Yeah, hundred percent. So that's our NFL awards. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna finish up the show here. We have another show coming up later this week. It, it, you know, predicting the weekend, giving you our picks. We'll throw in a trivia game in next weekend. Uh, in the next episode, and we're gonna add in some college basketball talk, maybe some NBA, throw in some updates there. The Avs with a big win tonight. Shout out Avalanche. Uh, shout out Aaron Gordon. Looks like he drank too much and then was playing with his own dog. So, uh, Aaron Gordon kind of self-inflicted wounds there, but glad, glad, glad he was back playing again last night. That was good. <laughs> and happy yeah. and smiling. First, looking yeah, good. <laughs> he seemed like he was alright. Um, and then big shout out to to Caitlin Clark. I don't know if you saw her buzzer beater tonight. Right. Unreal. I mean, you talk about bringing down the house, man. You just don't see yeah. that. You just don't. You don't there was, see it. I love. She was so cold with it too. After she hits, she's kind of runs over the crowd, just kind of shrugging. Yeah, she, she's a stud. She's awesome. She is. Caitlin Clark is. I mean, she she balls out. I mean, she's doing Steph stuff out there on the court. It's 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 really fun to watch. And then Iowa just banding around her. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think she scored more points in the Iowa Hawkeyes football offense this season. So oh, good on Caitlin uh, yeah. Clark. Easy. That's that. That's an easy bet. <laughs> I think. I think the second scorer probably did the same thing at Iowa for that for that for that program. But no, love that and uh, looking forward to the next show. Brandon's always always a pleasure and uh, looking forward to next time. All right, buddy. Take care.